You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. What's up, mentor and mentoring leaders? Wanted to share with you guys some exciting information we got. You Can Mentor has released a book. It's entitled You Can Mentor, How to Impact Your Community, Fulfill the Great Commission, and Break Generational Curses. The purpose behind this book is to train up more mentors and more mentoring leaders to effectively disciple the next generation through mentoring. If you will, please go purchase a book on our website. You can find it on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, leave a five-star review. That helps us out a ton. If you're a mentoring organization and you want multiple copies, holler at us and we will give you guys a deal. You can find out more information on the You Can Mentor website. Go pick up that book, You Can Mentor. What up, mentors? Zach Garza here. Hey, I wanted to share about this episode that you're about to listen to. Today's guest is John Bauer and Jeremy Pace, both of whom are in ministry here in the Dallas area. And they've created this thing to help remove aloneness, remove isolation in the field of ministry. Whenever you do ministry, it's really hard to do it by yourself. You've got to have a support system. You've got to have a team. You've got to have people who are investing into you so you can go out and invest into others. John and Jeremy share about what they do to make sure that they're receiving the support they need to mentor and do ministry for the long haul. So, hey, enjoy it. If you liked what you heard on this podcast today, share it, rate it, find a friend and toss it to them via text, whatever you got to do to spread the word. Remember this, you can mentor. Hey guys, how's it going today? My name is Zachary Garza. I'm here with John Bauer. John, say hi. Hey. And Jeremy Pace. Hey. Wow. You guys are... (laughs) guys are full of life today. And today we're talking about doing ministry together. We're talking about why it is not only important, but in my opinion, essential that you have people supporting you. You have people filling you up as you pour out, as you mentor and you do God's work. So John Bauer, introduce yourself. Tell the folks about you. What's going on? What's up, Zill? Hello, Pace. Like you said, my name is John. I'm a pastor in, um, here in Dallas and Lake Highlands, Texas. I've been doing that for 11, 12 years or so. I've got five kiddos, five. Wow. I'm, I'm not a Mormon pastor, but I get asked that a lot. But live here in the area, known Garza for a while, known Jeremy, just a little bit shorter time frame than that. But yeah, man, 10, 12 years as a pastor, something like that. And yeah, loving it. Great. Why don't you tell people about us? About us? Yeah, about me and you. Garza and I have a multifaceted relationship. He's tall, I'm short. I have, golly, I don't know what it was, probably eight years ago, something like that, I met you. Mm, Farther back 12 years ago. 12 years ago, good gracious. Anyway, prior to us- 15 years ago almost. Are you serious? Yeah, 2007. Dude, COVID and having twins at my age makes everything seem wonky as far as the (laughs) time frame goes. But we were at Antioch, Dallas. My wife and I had just gotten married somewhere along those times, I think. But anyway, I met Garza at kind of like a party that we had for a Bible study that we had started before Thanksgiving. And he stood out mainly because he's 6'8", and um, just 
just reached out to him, wasn't in ministry at the time, I wasn't, and uh, just tried to get a coffee with him. And it was really, I was really passionate about discipleship and reaching out to different guys and helping them know Jesus wherever they were in their walk with him. And anyway, we were at a different church prior to starting our ministry, and I'd been discipling a guy by the name of John Kazerman, and John began meeting with Garza really regularly, and I did as well. And we were real passionate about that Second Timothy 2.2 thing. So it's like, man, you have learned something, go teach it to somebody else who can teach someone else also. And so... Garza and I have a really long relationship full of lots of highs, lots of lows. I think we've seen each other both at our best moments and our worst moments. We've been there for each other. It's been it's been awesome, actually. So uh, is that a good s- summation of it? Awesome. Garza would flex on me in basketball games where he would <laughs> swap my shots. He'd point out how awkward and bow-legged I was, and then he'd beat me in Tecmo Bowls and never let me live it down. But other than that, I would say it's been mutually beneficial. I would say there's a lot of koinonia in our relationship. Yes, koinonia indeed, Bauer. Now, it is no, it isn't a lie that there's no way that I would be here if it wasn't for John Bauer. So, thank you, friend. And he's taught me, he's taught me a lot about mentoring. So, so Pace, why don't you tell us about yourself, where you come from, your family, your church, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm. Uh, as you'll find out really quickly, John's going to be the funny, entertaining one, and I'll just be the, just the straight, dry one in the in the interview so i would say more wise discerning <laughs> mature that's sure yeah we can go with that whatever you shepherd. want to fluff it up you know that's great um, if you guys so. want some cheese you're gonna need it for his crackers you're <laughs> kind of salty um, oh, like john i too uh, am in a pa- I'm pastor here in east dallas so we uh, we moved from seattle washington back to texas about eight years ago to start a little faith family called Christ City Church. And so we all kind of live here in the area. I think we all ran into each other at different coffee shops. And that's, I think that's how we all got to know each other to some degree. Honestly, that's kind of, even what we're talking about today, that's kind of how, how it all got started is, is at local coffee shops. But but married a little over 15 years. Have I have twins also, but mine are a little older, sleeping, actually taking care of themselves to some degree. So John will get there someday, but he's got a long road to go. Mm. Right. All right, guys. Hey, so why why I've got these two guys here is because they're doing something that I think is just absolutely amazing. Anyone who's been doing the work of the Lord for a long time knows that at times it can be isolate. Isolating? Yeah. Lonely. Lonely. It can be lonely. <laughs> I mean, it is hard to do the work of the Lord. It's hard to pour out. And if you don't have people surrounding you, if you don't have friends, then in my opinion, you're just not going to last long. And there's a high tendency for burnout that enemies coming after you and you've got to have people that you're surrounding yourselves with who can encourage you, support you, do all of that good stuff. So, so these guys have, have created something that I believe is, is amazing. And I want y'all to share about it today on this podcast so that other people can hear about it. And if they like what you guys say, if they want community support, then they can take what y'all have and they can create it themselves. Yeah. That's so, great. so tell us about Anchored. Tell us why it started. Tell us what was the need and how did this become the solution? Yeah. So when we moved into the area again, about eight years ago, the Lord kind of pressed upon at least, at least my heart that the reality that where we're going, he already was. 
So that there are already faithful people ministering in that context, that there were men and women who were following Jesus and seeking to invite others to follow Jesus. And so more than anything, just wanted to honor that and just be aware of that. And if you know anything about East Dallas, if you go into a coffee shop at any given given day, you'll probably run into three or four people who are doing ministry <laughs> in the area. And it becomes pretty evident that you're that you're not alone in ministry um, just by keeping your eyes open. And, and so what started honestly was just we would run into each other in different places. There was a handful of us, different ministers and leaders and pastors. And so we just started to invite one another to lunch and really just kind of created basically a once a month lunch. But the, the stipulation was this, because I'm sure this is true for most people in, in any sort of ministry. We love to talk shop. We're passionate about what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're doing it and all that kind of stuff. But to the, to the Lord's glory and his credit, we said at the very beginning um, that we won't talk shop, that we come together because of Jesus, um, that we want to see Jesus in one another, draw Jesus out of one another and encourage one another to be faithful to, to holding fast to Jesus and proclaiming Jesus in the ministries that he's given us, in the context he's given us, in the uh, in the way that he's actually shaped us to do it. And we believe that's not in competition, but in compliment. And so so in order for us to to not just like kind of give a head nod to that, because we would all say, oh yeah, we're in this together in the kingdom. But the reality is we're all human, we're all flesh. We all tend to compare and contrast ourselves to one another. So really the only way to kind of get through our fleshliness into actual relationship was just to, to get into a context together where we could pray together, where we could eat together, where we could laugh together, where we could mourn together, all around the idea of that Jesus has drawn us into this space and time and into relationship with one another, and then ask him to just develop a friendship that would birth out of that. And that started almost seven years ago. And so it didn't formally become the Anchored Collective until John got a tattoo. And so <laughs> probably it's probably almost three years ago now that, that, that John, at the time we didn't know, but had selfishly already planned an anchored tattoo on himself. And so when we were kind of getting our, our little, you know, a couple times a year, some of us will get together who's kind of organized this over the years and just say, hey, what's the next six months look like? What do we want to do? How do we want to encourage the ministers within our group to be faithful to their calling, faithful to where God's placed them in and, and, and said, well, hey, maybe we need to give a name to this. And again, so John kind of came up with the name. False. Keep going. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And, and again, it's because the tattoo already existed or was in, in, in process of existing. So if we'd have gone a different direction, he would have had to change his, you know, his, his tattoo plans. But, but no, the idea is that we're anchored to, to the ministry God's called us to, to the place that we're in, to one another, but ultimately to Jesus. And that's what really draws us in and what, what holds us together. And so while there's a whole variety of, of ministry going on within this group, so there's, I mean, if you just look at the churches represented, I think there's nine or 10 denominations, multiple ethnicities, different philosophies of ministry and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, we all come together around Jesus and as the one who anchors us into our calling, our vocation, and into really friendship with one another. And so, so in a nutshell, yeah, that's kind of what Anchored is. It started honestly just with an awareness that God was already active and that we wanted to be ones who participated fully and faithfully in what God was already doing in our context, which meant that we were going to get to do ministry with others. But the doing ministry with others really, for the long call, like you like you said, really was contingent on us actually being friends. And the friendship had to start with like a mutual love for Jesus and a love for Jesus in one another. And and from there, I think it's birthed a lot of beautiful things. But That's awesome, Pace. So I, John, I really want to hear how Anchored has impacted your life. But before I do that, I just want to so the 50,000 foot view of Anchored is a bunch of people who do ministry come together once a month for about an hour and a half and they share a meal mm -hmm. and they laugh and they become friends and support each other as they do the Lord's work. It's not about competition. Mm -hmm. It's about saying we're all on the same team and we're going to do whatever we can to help you promote the name of Jesus not necessarily the name of your ministry or right. your church. 
And so I just love that because so often we can get in competition. Okay, I, I need to serve more kids or I need to have, you know, a bigger budget or bigger building. And what you guys are saying is, no, it's, it's not about that at all. But instead, it's about promoting the name of Jesus. And anything that I can do to help you do that, I want to make it happen. Yeah. And listen, like there's, there's a reality of our differences are needed within the kingdom, right? Like we all have different kind of visions and desires and those aren't bad things. Those are actually really important things, but those things tend to not draw us together. Those things tend to in our flesh just separate us. But what brings us together is a truly an affection for Jesus that we're after Jesus together, that Jesus actually indwells all of us and empowers all of us to do the ministry that we're doing. And so at the 50,000 foot view, it really is that simple. It really is a monthly lunch where we've intentionally said we won't talk shop where all we'll do is we'll laugh. I mean, like you'll hear it on this, like the, the, Sarcasm is our, maybe our only language. It's definitely our love language, but there is a lot of laughter because we need a space to kind of, to decompress. It's safe that other people who may not do it exactly like we do, but are doing what we do to some degree that we can, we can just, we can just kind of relax and be put down our guards for a minute. We can eat together, sharing stories, what's going on in life, all that kind of stuff. But we can also minister to one another. We can pray together for what's, what the ministry that we're doing, but we can also in moments like this past month where one of uh, the members of the group got some really hard news from a health perspective, and we were just able to lay hands and pray, ask for healing, do all those kind of things in the moment because we're all there and we're with them and we're for him and we want the same thing out of his life that he wants out of his life, which is to glorify Jesus. And so despite our differences, we were able to come together in it. And then what we say, and we, and I think this is important because I'm for those who might want to replicate it. Like we, we do say that you can quote unquote do things together. Like I think sometimes when we think about doing ministry together, we, we go to the practical, the pragmatic, the what events can we put together? What, 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 what outreach can we do? What, you know, so, and those are, those are all beautiful things. And those things have come out of relationships in the anchored collective, but they don't, the anchor collective doesn't exist to start those things. It exists to be this kind of really just to cultivate relationships where like true together ministry can be birthed, where friendships can lead into the practical things. And so, so we say at every lunch that we get together, we, we, we joke about the, the, the reality of our, (laughs) of our sarcasm. We proclaim the name of Jesus is what unites us. And then we say for this to mean anything, to you other than just a space to laugh, to eat and to be prayed for, it requires you to develop friendship outside of this. Mm-hmm. And so, because in the end, ministry together really is about walking with Jesus side by side, following Jesus together, which is just going to require relationship more than, more than anything else, more than the pragmatics, more than the, the philosophy of ministry on the same page or anything like that. It really is going to require like what Jesus says, an affection for one another, a love for one another. And so, I mean, that's, that's what our, our prayer and our hope is, is that we can foster that. Awesome. Bauer. So I'm super competitive. <laughs> I like to you? win. Yeah. I like to win. I like to drive. And, um, the guy that kind of mentored me, a spiritual, one of my spiritual dads, I guess, Jordan Ogden in Dallas, which is pace. You said this about context. For those of you who aren't in Dallas, like it is, you, you trip over yourself going from a ministry to a church. There's one on every corner. When, when we planted the church, people were like, why another church in Dallas? And anyway, so Jordan was like really open-handed with me. He's like, he's like, bro, uh, you're a church planner. I want you to go out. I don't care if it's with our ministry or another one, but that's kind of who you are. That's part of your calling. And so that was helpful. So when I started meeting with Pace and some of the other guys, just my natural state, it was like trying to feel stuff out and kind of take the guy out of the frat, but you can't take the frat out of the dude, I guess. And so I was just um, trying to feel myself out and figure out what was going on with the group. And there was some competition in me, but the relationship kind of 
let that go. And so I, I don't remember what you asked specifically, but like there was a measure of competition within me, but the friendship side of it, the partnership side of it really started to change that to where I could just be myself with the guys. And we had some stuff that Pace really initiated, whether it was Monday or Tuesday, when we had the lunches. But what's been great to me, the partnership side has really come outside of it. Like Pace is kind of the sage of the guy. He's, you got, he's got a gift of wisdom. And so there are times when I'm like, man, how do I handle this situation? What do you think about this? I mean, 2020, COVID, capital riots, Black Lives Matter, all of these things were going on. And so it was so helpful to have a friend first that was really more committed to me than to my success. Then I can just, I can process stuff. And, you know, in ministry, like I said, it's lonely and loneliness isn't a bad thing. It like actually drives you to take a risk, to let someone get to know you, to initiate so kind of like over the years, getting to see each man or each, yeah, each man and his gift. And I was like, man, when I had something going on, I was like, I need to reach out to this person because they have something that I need. And so a lot of ways, uh, I don't know, we've may have done a few things in ministry, quote unquote, where we did something, but it's primarily been like a partnership in calling. Um, like, like Jeremy, so many times it's like, John, this is part of what we see in scripture when it means to fulfill a calling and how to walk that out or, or seeking his advice on wisdom or like a guy like Jeff uh, an encouragement or just in shepherding. And so I would say, well, yes, I am competitive. And if like you've got other, I mean, how many other kind of mentoring organizations are here in Dallas? Garza? No, there's a lot. There are. Yeah. And so I think that's like, I am competitive, but then remembering that like what you said, Jeremy, God was already here. He's already moving in this city or wherever you might be listening. There's other partners and it's been so fun and it's taken a lot of time. It's just taken time. I mean, you said we've known each other for 15 years. So that means it was probably 12 years for us, Jeremy. But through that time, it's just, it's a rich friendship to where I can, I looked at this verse in Philippians 2. It's from the message. I was talking about Jesus having um, become human. He stayed human. So it's really let me be human to be high sometimes, to be low sometimes. And still that we have that idea of like, we're okay, we're anchored to Christ, we're anchored to one another. So then when Pace or someone else is like, Bauer, but this is who you are, that has been so helpful to me here in, in the, this role that I've got, you know, vocationally, so. So I wanna ask, tell me the benefits of doing something like Anchored, of surrounding yourself with people who are focused on you being your best so that you can advance the kingdom. Tell me how it's helped y'all. Let me go, can I go first? So as a, as a pastor specifically, it's complicated in Dallas, in our context, because everybody knows everybody, more or less. You walk down the street and I can see you can just tell by how people dress if they go to church. You're like, this is where you go, you know. If you have a tattoo, maybe you go to Normandy. Maybe you go to Eastside, whatever. But it's dadgum complicated. Like, our relationship was complicated because we were friends. You were a leader in the church. I was, you know, spiritual authority. So they have all these different layers of relationships, which is takes a long time to mature enough to recognize, like, what role you're playing in the relationship. And so I think one of the main benefits has been friendship where you can, like I said, you can just be yourself and be like, dude, this part pisses me off. I love this part. And the idea of calling, like I, that's kind of what, at least if you're in Christian ministry, it's this idea that the living God has called you out to go do something specific. And if you read Paul, like he's a little bipolar, like in second Corinthians 10 uh, through 13, he's like going through this big treatise about why he's called to do this thing. And 
like how human he was. And so I think the friendship side of it, A, keeps you humble, but keeps you human. And just reminding, like, that's been the main benefit. The friendship has led to like the reminder, bro, this is what we see in scripture. This is what I've seen in you over the years. Keep walking, don't stop. So it helps me be human. It helps me wrestle out how to follow Jesus where I'm at with them, with our church, with my family. And it's really been, it's like water on a, a dry day. That's, that's what it's meant to me. It's been part of like my, my, in essence, my rule of life. Like if I don't do this and if I get stuck and I'm not initiating, I'm like, okay, something's off. I need to turn to my friends. I need to reach out to them, get a coffee, get a beer or whatever. So that's what I would say. And <clears throat> I know for me, like as I lead, as I lead a ministry, as I lead my mentee, as I lead, there is this tendency, there's this temptation that I always have to be on mm. and that I can't be imperfect because these people are looking to me to lead well. These people are looking to me to show them how to do things. And I might be able to do that for a week. I might be able to do that for a month, but after a while that weight becomes pretty stinking heavy. Yeah. And so I think that's so important is to kind of take off my hat of I'm in charge and to surround myself with people where I really can just be myself. Mm -hmm. I can vent, I can confess, I can laugh, I can relax. Because if I don't do that, then it's only a matter of time because it's only a matter of time before that weight kind of takes me out. So, right. What do you think, Pace? What are some of the benefits? Yeah, I mean, you can't say it better than, than John said in regards to just the reality of relationship is both a encouragement to keep going, but also like to some extent an accountability to keep going in the calling that God's given us, right? And so to know that there are others who I can both go to, but they'll come to me when they see, they see me off. They see me wearing the hat and not taking it off. They see a mask, they see whatever. And so, and to honestly, one of the biggest things for me, what, and I don't know about others in, in ministry, but you, but you talk about the isolation of ministry and that, that has several different layers, but one of the layers is we tend to kind of, we can tend to kind of orbit around our own little world. And so whatever's happening in our world, good or bad is how we feel because that's our world. And so to know once a month, I get to kind of get out of that orbit and into more the universe of, of God's kingdom. I mean, in a little, in a little way in our part of the city and recognize all the different ways the Lord's both breaking strongholds, healing people, the way he's saving people, the way others are struggling to have faith in the same way I'm struggling to have faith, all those kind of things. I just kind of, you just kind of get a picture of, man, there's so much more that I'm a part of right now, which means my God is so much bigger than my little world. And as intimate as he is in it, there's so much more that I'm a part of. And that to me is a super compelling reason to stay at it and to stay in it because whatever I see in my moment isn't all that's going on and all that's happening. And so knowing that once a month that I'll get to be around around people that are going to remind me of that is super helpful. Yeah. So how, how has surrounding yourself with these people helped you become who you are today? Oh, that's kind of easy. It's easy for me to talk, but I heard this phrase, I guess last year that vocation is formed, not found. And like in the context of relationship, we're shaped or we're changed, we're shaped and there's a handful of guys and their perspective on the world, their perspective on ministry. Like, like you said, like when you, when there's a problem, I mean, you know, five years ago, it was like, 
it's all over chicken little. That's me. The sky is falling. And so getting that perspective, but then like shaping my theology, shaping my spiritual practices, shaping my philosophy by the things that we talk about, say, because I love talking shop. And so I want to talk shop. And a lot of times that happens outside of it. But I would say the formation that's come by walking with these guys has been huge. I would have quit probably a hundred times on a, on a second, second point, because like in our in America specifically, then you break it down to Dallas, like we love comfort. I mean, we have it so easy on one sense with the Amazons and the iPhones and all that other jazz. And so the reminder, I mean, also on a side note, after COVID and all this other stuff, the amount of people dropping out of ministry in general is huge, apparently. Like there's been tons of deconstruction. There's been tons of questioning, people not going to church, all this other stuff. You know, I'm sure donors dropping, people just saying, you know, I'm going to go stop doing this thing called church or this ministry or whatever. And so both informing who I am as a man, but then informing what the reality of the kingdom is like, that's been huge. And it's just flat out not good to be alone when you get into specifically when I get into my mind and I'm isolating there. And so hearing from them, the reminders, the perspectives, and you actually then get to practice rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And I just shaping my perspective. I'm like, man, I mean, Pace and I were talking right before um, you got in here, Gars, that, you know, there's different pastors in different locations of the world that have got all kinds of difficulties and trials. And I would say just even shaping my view of success of saying I, I am unsuccessful from a Dallas church world's perspective, but I'm successful in the sense of the kingdom, A, because I've been faithful, mm -hmm. or at least tried to be. And you're seeing lives changed, even though it's slow and steady and not as quick or as, as comforting as I want, not as powerful as I want sometimes. And so shaping uh, me as a man, shaping my view, informing my worldview, those have all been huge to me that I wouldn't be probably A, in ministry or B, who I am in the healthy places without these guys and just kind of flat out in friendship. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than anything. I mean, we're not doing a ton. We're not where the action is on one sense. But anyway, that's just kind of my perspective, Pace. Can you ask the question one more time? Yeah, sure. Just like how, how has spending time with this group, how has doing what you do mm -hmm. with other people, how has it made you who you are today? How has it made yeah. you a better leader? Yeah, like, like John said, I mean, the reality is that we are formed in relationship. And so I'm not, I'm not the minister that I am without John, without Jeff, without... Adam, without Randy, without a whole collection of, of, of others. And even some, even some who have, who have, who are no longer a part of the collective because they're, they're not in ministry anymore. They're, the reality, the reality is, and we all know this, right? Like, especially in mentoring, like you're, you're a part of somebody's story, right? And you're not all the story and you might not be there for the, the whole story, but you, you play a part in their pilgrimage and their following of Jesus, right? Like a, a disciple is not just this static thing. Like we don't live in a static environment. Like we're, we're always going towards something and, and that something in Jesus. And so relationships that are, that, that we formed within the collective have have been, have made it to where, where at certain moments I need something spoken into me from, from Jesus, something encouraged um, in me, something, a blind spot shown to me, especially in ministry, right? Like, so, I mean, we have, we have relationships like this, like accountability relationships in other areas of life, right? To some extent, we have spouses who love us, who, who will point us to Jesus, all that kind of stuff. But there is something about, about being shoulder to shoulder with others in ministry who are doing the same thing you are, maybe even a little bit different, but the same thing you are with the same heart you are, have a heart for you 
that because they're filled with the spirit and because they love you at moments, speak things into you, speak things over you, say things to you that keep you staying on the ancient path, the true way, the way that, that, that Jesus has for you, whether it's an encouragement or an exhortation. And so, so I can't, I don't know that I can look back and just say, here's the, the, the four moments that have completely changed me because I've anchored, but I can, I can remember the, six dozen conversations that, that I needed in the moment that some of the times I didn't even know that I needed where John has spoken a word of encouragement and exhortation over me where Jeff or with Randy or Adam have, have said something that compelled me to think differently or to be grounded back into the reality of, of the calling. And so, and that, I think that's really what it means to, to have people alongside of you along in the journey to, to walk with one another who, whose agenda is not to try to get you to do something a particular way, but whose agenda is for you to stay faithful to Jesus because they, they know what Jesus called you into. They know who Jesus has made you to be. And so they're, they're trying to, to foster that in you and not foster some sort of, some sort of other vision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, as you're talking and for people listening and you're like, you say, that sounds great. How do you do it? And so I would, I would say it just, it just take, it's just taken so much time. Yep. It's just taking time and you do like the, the anchoring part is so, it was so massive of like anchoring into the right story and the perspective that they give, uh, these different men give to me has, has been huge, but just an encouragement. It takes time because there are people that are out there in ministry that want you to do something a certain way or come on their side of the table and believe what they believe. And I guess this is like, we've had a few outside older guys come out and say, man, this is so unique. This is so radical. I wish I would have had this. And I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? We're kind of just- It just seems really normal, right? It seems normal, yeah. But it's taken time. Yep. And, and then in that time, trust is developed. Do I really do believe these guys, I mean, yeah, congratulations, you have a church, but they don't care about that as much as they care about me as a man and like speaking life in those moments. And then, yeah, when it's time, like, like, Pace, dude, what do you do here? Give me some perspective or some wisdom. Let's talk shop. That does come into play. But it's just taken, just taken flat out time to where I, I'm uninterested in Jeremy's success as a pastor. I, I wanted to be successful, but I'm, I'm more uh, interested in him being succeeding just in living well and then leading well from a place of life. And so that's just taken time and it's taken risk. It's taken vulnerability and awkwardness and all the things that normally come with any relationship. And so... I would encourage the listeners that just, yeah, it's a four-letter word. It's time yeah, and yeah. maybe risk if risk is a four-letter word. Uh, yes, it is, John. Yeah, and I think, you know, and the, the time comes because we were committed. We we're committed to it. We we're committed to, to the friendship in Jesus, honestly. I mean, that's, that's really what spurred it, right? That we would develop friendship. While we definitely have some natural affinity towards one another, we're all very different personalities, different backgrounds, different things. And so it, it took on everybody's part like a commitment to actually building a relationship and that that was actually the work of ministry and the work that needed to be done for the long to longitude of ministry for the, the longevity of ministry. We needed friends like those who were going to walk with us in this. At least that was, that was our conviction, right? Like that it wasn't that like, yeah, we, we know we need people to help us do what we do better in the practical sense. But in the end, like, like we need people to share the burden as we carry our own loads right? Like who are willing to share the burden with us and who know what the burden is. And, and in scripture, those are called friends. Those are called a family. Like, and so while that seems like John said, just normal, it's unfortunately unnatural in a lot of the ministry world, right? Either because of competition or because of busyness or because we have in our view that the only thing worth doing in ministry 
is something that bears pragmatic and practical fruit immediately. But if you're listening and you want to do ministry for 40, 50, 60 years, like relationships with others who are doing it is absolutely pivotal. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus didn't call one disciple and send one out. Like we don't have anywhere in our scriptures where there's a lone person just sent off. Jesus himself, like, could have just gone and done all the things he did without any of the people around him. Like he didn't need the disciples to heal people, to walk on water, to break bread. Like there's a reason he chose to bring them in, not just into the pragmatics of ministry, but into his life so much so that at the end of it, he calls them friends. Like, I mean, that's how he ends his life with them. Like, it's not, you're my servants, like you're my friends. And so if that's a true reality of what, what is birthed out of abiding in Jesus with other people, then that's something that is ministry leaders that we should not just seek, but we should actually be ones who are actually able to demonstrate to others. This is the fruit of the good fruit of abiding mm-hmm. is friendship like this. Well, and like, I know for me, like, it is absolutely vital that I get to know people who are doing what I'm doing in different parts mm-hmm. of the city of America. So that one, I can champion them. Like yep. I can call them up and say, Hey man, you're doing a good job. You know, I can encourage them. But two, how, if I see them as competition instead of as a friend, mm-hmm. then ultimately I'll see them as someone who I'm against. And that doesn't sound very godly to me. No. And so if I'm doing industry in the name of Jesus, and I am rooting against someone and I am against someone, those two things don't make sense. Mm. So it's important for me to check my heart and to be like, man, how come I'm not for this mentoring organization? Right. How come I'm not for this nonprofit? And then tell me what that says about my heart. And then I need to go and I need to do work and I need to figure out what I have to do to champion them to be like, Hey God, like we're both on the same team here. And I just think if you have that competition mindset, you're just not going to last very long. Right. Because there's a bunch of fear, there's a bunch of insecurity and ultimately that will cause isolation. Right. Yeah. So, so Paul talks about it in Galatians, right? So the, the, the mark of freedom is, is the spirit, the love of the spirit that compels us. Right. But the kind of example that he gives of like, okay, so what does it look to like to be really free in Jesus being full of the spirit, bearing the fruit of the spirit. The last thing in Galatians five is that you don't compare and contrast yourself one to another. Like, like that's, that's ultimately what maturity and freedom in Jesus is. And so the, the reality is like Paul has to say that because that's, that's not normal, right? That's a, that's a new, a new image, a new person, a different person that we can't get to in our own, in our flesh. And so even if you're not, and and I think this happens as much in ministry as anything is like, we tend to say, well, like it's a competition thing. And and in some cases it is, some of us are competitive. I mean, John tries to win at everything we do whenever we get together, but, but we've already established that's just a part of his personality. We love it. And, and we know he loses a lot, so it's fine. But but part of it, part of the competition exists is because you're not, you don't actually know the other. Like there's like the feeling of competition is simply because you don't. So you may not like this mentoring ministry or may not like it, might not even be the right term. You may feel like you're not on board with them or connected to them because you actually don't know them. It's just them. Like some point it can't be them. It has to be John. It can't be them. It has to be Jeff. That's like, good. and so it really is. Jesus is so amazing. It's really that simple not easy, but it really is that simple. Like it, at some point it just requires you to know them. And if you're, if you're filled with the spirit in any sort of way, 
Like if you go into it with any sort of fruit of the spirit, like you will begin to see the same spirit in them and there's no longer them. I see the same spirit in John. I see the same spirit in Jeff. And no matter what you're different in the, it's like, okay, I guess, I guess we got the same spirit. And Jesus said, if you're not against me, you're with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it, it is actually a means of our own discipleship. That's good. I just want to redeem competition because you know that like reject, receive, redeem. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that can be redeemed. And so Garz, I would say, yeah, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten in the fear zone where my brain, my lid flips because I hear someone's leaving my church. Our, see the pronoun there. Got to work on your pronouns. It ain't my church. It's his. I really, I've started to hate it when people like go, how's your church doing? And I'm like, ain't mine dog. And I kind of get rough about that. But anyway, when you're like, when you start to notice, man, God, White Rock's doing this, or this church is doing that, and my people went there, or whatever else, there is a drive, and there is some fear in there of rejection, of failure. But I would just say on that, I rarely do a good job by myself figuring out what's going on. And... If you can cut through all of the religious BS where that's the, the thing that's so nice about Anchored is because you kind of turn off that, what you said earlier, that leader voice or that pastor voice, and you talk like a normal human. In Dallas, it's like that. I don't know what it's like if for those of you who are listening elsewhere to actually be real, to say, man, this is what's going on. I'm, I'm irritated because some people have left our church to go here. What is that in me? And then guys like Jeremy, whatever else, people can speak and say, hey, dude, remember, remember. And I love what Pace said about seeing the people over the organization because Christ didn't die for my organization. He died for relationships. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I've, there's been a few moments where like, I feel like Jesus has spoken to me like he did to Peter going, Hey, if, if he, if I want him to stay till the end, what's it to you? You follow me. So that is helpful from like spending time with the Lord standpoint in ministry. But I think the more real is when I like actually share in such a way that it's kind of ugly and then someone's like, yeah, dude, but remember if Jesus said, if they're not, if they're not against us, then they're with us, they're for us. And then you're like, okay. And that's where I've been formed and shaped and changed where that drive has been there. And trying to figure it out by myself usually doesn't go that well. There's a few times when I get it. There's a few times in my maturity where I've like gone, okay, Holy Spirit, you can help, but I can't convict myself. I need his help. I need y'all's help to do that. And so I think that's how you kind of redeem that competition is for me kind of being direct saying, man, I'm feeling tension about this ministry or this thing. I'm feeling a little bit jealous of this, whatever it is, this is where I'm at and kind of being a little bit just vulnerable. And, and that's where that change has come. And that's where I think that partnership, that friendship with people outside of your tiny world, even if your world is very successful and very influential, I think that's been, what do you call it? Priceless. Yeah. I know for me, like if I hear like a different nonprofit, they receive some type of funding, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we both applied for the same, you know, for the same grant and they got it and I didn't, or they got a certain person on their board or Mm -hmm. da da da. They got so many likes on social media, right? Like there's so many opportunities for me to come against someone and to be filled with fear. And that's not good. That's not good for my heart. That's not good for how I see them. That's not good for anything. And it is absolutely vital for me to confess that to people and say, Hey, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. And then have them speak to that. That's essential to the guy. Who's like, 
about to start, start a ministry and they want to do it alone. Can you just kind of heed, heed. What do you mean by that? Do it alone. Like they don't need your help. They don't want to go have coffee with a guy who's doing the nonprofit, who's doing the church right across the street. They don't see the need to become friends and a partner together for the advancement of the kingdom. They just want to do their thing. Can you kind of speak, speak a word of warning to them? I mean, you're not going to go very far. You're not going to last very long. I mean, maybe you will. Maybe, maybe God in his, in his wrath will let you get what you want. He's referencing Romans 1. Because the reality, again, just, this, this, isn't just how, this isn't how the kingdom works. Like, again, like maybe it works this way in business. Maybe it works this way in, in Western economics. But the, the loan initiator, entrepreneur, guy who's got it, person who's got it all figured out and is going to do it completely differently without any, any help, which is probably a myth, to be honest, like if you were to really like look into it even in, in that world. But definitely in the kingdom, it just doesn't, that's just not how God's made it to work. And so in some ways, you're fighting against the very thing that you're after, right? And in and, and all of our scriptures, that always goes bad. At some point, it always goes bad. And so like, what it doesn't mean, and here's, and again, this is what I've, I've tried to say. So like partnering in ministry doesn't mean that like we're all of a sudden doing everything together and that like whatever you want to do, I'm going to do like the partnerships, the pragmatic, uh, pragmatic outworking of ministry has come in relationship, but it's come because of relationship. Like what partnering in ministry actually means is that together we're following Jesus in this place for the name of Jesus to doing something to, in some way that, that corresponds to the, to lifting up the name of Jesus and that we're just not going to do it in isolation. And, and, and this is why we start. like, it really simply means building a friendship. Like it doesn't mean that you're like, I'd, there may be a few guys who come to the Anchor Collective because they're looking for wisdom or for like practical ministry partners or even for financial resources but, but through relationships and networking. And none of those things are necessarily like wrong. But like the but we what we always come back to is like all those things are birthed out of friendship. Eventually, like we have to be together in friendship. And so. So if you're like, if the, you're the person who's like, Hey, I want to start something and I don't want it to anything to do with any of those around me. Cause listen, they've all got it wrong. I've obviously got it right. Cause I would assume that's the, 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 the mentality if you're trying to go at it alone is you don't have it all right. You, you do have some of it wrong. They probably do have quite a few things that are right. It may be different and God may actually have your differences be something that's complimentary. But if you, if you go about it with any sort of I'm against them, I'm not with them, or like, I don't need them, then you're actually walking against the flow of, I think, what the kingdom and the spirit's actually doing. I, I'd, so I don't know the, the way you phrase that anybody would blatantly say or think, like, I'm just flat out going alone. For me, does that make sense? Like for yeah. me, but you know here, what you, here, but you want here. Yeah. How about to someone who doesn't make it a priority? Yeah. How's that? So my, my story was, I wanted to be like my heroes. Me. Well, I didn't know you at the time, but now <laughs> actually, I, yes, I kind of yeah. do. And I grew up, we grew up, if you're evangelical at all, and kind of like a hero mentality, like the see you at the pole. If I'm not there, then <laughs> everyone's going to burn and go to hell. Uh, world changer, promise keepers. Uh, what's the one passion conference? You know, we're like, I'm going to change the world for Jesus. And that's some of that's. I mean, it's not bad, but there's like that kind of mentality. And I'm so, I'm trying to shift my mindset from mm-hmm. hero world changer which I don't think is bad. I think can be redeemed, but into farmer. And I started because I wanted to be like my heroes, which meant like, 
in essence, I mean, Pace said this nonchalantly years ago. He goes, what? It's not like you're trying to create a new denomination. And I was like, well, yeah, actually I am. In my head, I didn't say that to you. And so for those type of people, I would say, I would encourage vision and mm -hmm. ambition as far as like Paul said, I have a holy ambition to go preach Christ where he's not been proclaimed. There might be something that is a compliment that isn't going on in your area that's mm -hmm. a little bit different. That is okay. But I would encourage uh, and prioritize serving another's vision. I mean, Garza, we talked about that for so long, but it's like, go serve another man's vision, another woman's vision, because I'm always going to champion, yes, hear from the Lord, try and walk in purpose. But at the same time, I think even prior to launching something, whatever else, really go see what's out there, serve, because Pace, what you said at the beginning was so good. He's already there. Like he's not sending you someplace where he's not already existing. Like he's not already moving. He doesn't already have plans. He doesn't already have a history and a future. And so I would really encourage, yes, be ambitious for Christ because he can redeem that because there's some of it's going to be fleshly and human and shadowy and needs to be sanctified. And that's part of the process. But I would really encourage, like, go check out what's there, go serve in humility and trust the Lord to send you out at the right time. And the hardest part, like what you said, Pace, is like, Basically, American Christianity oftentimes flies in the face of the kingdom. It's so contradictory. It's so difficult to get it for the flesh to get in the flow of the kingdom, in my opinion. And so making that priority of relationship, of friendship, of service, of humility, that actually helps you get you in the flow so that you can actually walk in to your purpose, into what is your ambition. And God will shape and change that over the years because your cheese will move because of life and circumstances. So I would that's what I, that's how I would prioritize it is like going and saying, you know, Hey, I'm in the area. One of these days I want to send something different. Well, it's like, well, go learn from forerunner, go mm -hmm. learn from mentoring Alliance, go learn from some of these people and see what God might stir up mm -hmm. um, before just jumping out and doing it as a lone wolf. Cause that doesn't, it's not actually in the scriptures. And when it is in the scripture, it doesn't usually go very well, very long for yeah. that person. So, yeah, I mean, like I, I created what we're doing here because I stole everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, like John, like we do a lot of relational needs type stuff. And I took that straight from you and you took that straight from other people, CRC, right. Yeah. Mentoring, learn from mercy street after school program, learn from voice of hope, See, serving the moms, learn from hope farm. I mean, it's like everything that we've done, I've stolen. And how did I steal? I went to meet with these people. I just called them up and said, hey, you are up to something good. Can I come learn? And if you're in charge of something, if you're leading a ministry, my encouragement to you is one, you've got to search your heart and see if there's any animosity towards someone who is advancing the kingdom right alongside you. Two, build a relationship with that person. Call up that pastor, call up that executive director and just take them out to lunch. Go grab coffee, go ask questions, go hear their story go check out their after school program, their mentoring program. And then the last thing, which this was huge for me is you've got to champion them. You've got to talk good about them. Talk good, talk good about them. You have to speak well about them. You have to pray for them and you have to really be on their side. Mm. And whenever I did those things, it's almost like the Lord put his hand on what we were doing here because God wants his kingdom advanced and he's gonna do that through a multitude of ways. It's a big deal.
Well, if people want to learn more about Anchored and Anchored Collective, can you tell them how to find out more? I think it's... Let me look up the website. Man, Pace, you need to know the website, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's relatively new. We've, we've been pretty organic for most of the year. We, the website officially just launched like a few months ago, and, and it goes against everything in my that I believe in. No, I'm just kidding. He hates uh, marketing. I love it. It's anchorcollective.org. Anchorcollective.org. Okay. Not the Anchor Collective, just Anchor Collective. I don't I, I think it's anchorcollective.org. Sure. Yeah. And so you'll find it. It's. I mean, it's. there's nothing fancy. It just says that we eat together and we remind each other that Jesus is the most important. Well, and if you guys want to learn more, holler at Jeremy Pace, Christ City Church. Dot life. I do know that one. Dot life. Holler at John Bauer. He's at Normandy Church. Both are here in the great city of Dallas. So yeah. Any parting words, gentlemen? He's more committed to his will for your life than you are. Good. You keep on tracking. And it's not good to be alone. So initiate. Initiate. It's It's worth it. Yeah. It is worth it. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, if y'all didn't take away anything from this episode, then you're wrong. But take this away. You can mentor with other people. 